the significance of Palm Sunday. I have to be honest with you. I, I wrote a message last week, studied and wrote a message, and and uh, I was all good and you know fired up. And um, I woke up in the middle of the night Friday night, and I had that gut, Holy Spirit gut wrenching. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I, this June, I will have been preaching for 15 years, and so um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I've learned that feeling, you know, that, uh, so I got up early and came to the church yesterday and um, got here and I started studying and I just read, I said, Lord, I'm just going to read the story of Palm Sunday. And so I started reading it and I'm just dissecting it and started down with research and before I knew it, I've been in my office for a long time and just pulling stuff from here to there. And so, fresh off the press, I've actually never preached about Palm Sunday on Palm Sunday. Isn't that stupid, John? <laughs> it's like a pastor's gift. What did I preach this week? What's well, Palm Sunday. Duh. So, I want to talk to you today just for a moment about the significance of Palm Sunday. And, and I dare you this week to read what all that goes on between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. It is, it'll blow your mind. I don't have time to get into it all today. We're just going to talk about Palm Sunday. But if you look at what all Jesus taught in that span of time in the temple, you will see the significance. You know, if you've ever been around someone who knows that they're not going to be around much longer on their deathbed or maybe they're dying, and they want to tell you something, you lean in. This was Jesus' farewell. From, From Palm Sunday to Good Friday, he knew what was coming. And so every word he spoke, any time was important, but especially in this frame of time. So if you're new to the Bible, the scriptures will be up today. They'll be online tomorrow. I just double-dog dare you. And if you've been saved for a long time, read the Gospels. The the Palm Sunday, the story of the triumphal entry is in every Gospel. Um, We're going to use Matthew today, use Luke a few times, but read it. Read it, man, and and just think and see it in your mind of of how everything shook down. So if you have your Bible, Matthew 21, Matthew 21, Bible, iPad, phone, whatever you prefer. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, untie them. And bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciple went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks On the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your word. We just pray right now, Lord, that you would speak to each heart what you would have us here. God, I pray that you would get me out of the way and you would get in our way. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we go. Number one, the significance of Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday shows the humbleness of Jesus. 
Matthew 21, 1 through 3. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Back to the point, Larry. Think about this just for a second. And when you read the Bible, you have to read it in a cultural context. You can't just read the Bible and say, okay, Jesus, king of the world, uh, savior, he's riding a donkey, no big deal. Think, think about this just for a second. You have to, in the cultural context, anytime a king would enter a city, there was pomp, there was circumstance, there were things like ribbons going around, things going on, trumpets sounding. And how does Jesus choose to enter the city? On a donkey. Donkey. There you go. See, you guys have seen Shrek. The early service, 8.30 service. I had one gentleman come up and say, do you not know how to say donkey? I didn't even go there. I said, okay. He chose, and it shows the humbleness, and we know later... In the week, he washes the disciples' feet, and we know the Bible says that he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. But this, to me, is an amazing picture of how we should act as Christians. I mean, Jesus is... Now, watch this. 2.5 million people in Jerusalem. It's the Passover. It's the deal. The Passover for Jerusalem represented that they were going to be set free from oppression. Right? The angel passed over, put blood in the Old Testament over the doorways of... Now, y'all need to read your Bible because you're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. That's what the Passover represented. So, all the, all the Jewish people are gathering together in Jerusalem. And so, Jesus is coming down. He, he's entering in on a donkey. He's coming, coming down from Bethany, down the Mount of Olives, into Jerusalem in the East Gate. And... And what's going on at almost the same time, the Bible doesn't say this, history records it over and over and over if you study this. Pontius Pilate is coming through the West Gate with 80,000 Roman troops because they wanted to make sure that the Jewish people weren't going to try to over, overtake them and overthrow So they get sent down to be crowd control, right? They're like, they're like, you know, you go somewhere and it says staff on the back. Right? He's like six eight, huge shoulders, like Rick, big muscular guy, <laughs> staff. So they come marking it, marching through the other gate, and here they come, swords clanking, chariots, horses, Pontius Pilate sitting up tall, and they're coming into Jerusalem to make sure that they take care of business and no, no funny business happens. And here's Jesus. Coming down the Mount of Olives on a donkey, just cruising, cruising into town. Gonna take care of business, humbly. Isn't that amazing? So I would submit to you today, as a church and as Christ followers, we need to do more donkey riding than marching. There's a lot of theology in that. (laughs) Right? It really is. Here's Jesus just, Coming on the donkey. I mean, I know people who are trying to buy jets so that they can go somewhere and preach the gospel. I mean, if that's what God's called them to, I'm fine with that, whatever. Pretty sure somebody, wherever they're flying, can probably preach too, but that's just none of my business. 
Jesus could have came in in a jet. He was Jesus. Wouldn't that have been cool? The first... (laughs) Scott? I mean, he was Jesus, right? Can you imagine? (laughs) And you you know, the Bible says that, that there's not enough books in the world to contain all that Jesus said and did while he was on earth. It says that. So I wonder the conversation that the disciples were having with Jesus when he said, go get a donkey. Like, Lord, can we maybe, like, you want to, we get you a chariot. You know, we, we can bling it up. We can put some, we'll get you a camel. And we'll put one of those really cool things on the back of the camel that goes out like that. It's like, shut up, go get a donkey. Everything Jesus did was on purpose. There wasn't a second of his life that he lived on this earth that we read about that wasn't on purpose. So here's the idea. Palm Sunday shows us the humbleness of Jesus. And so could we model that? Could we as a church and we as Christ followers model that humbleness of, you know what, I don't have to be seen, I don't have to have pomp and circumstance, and I sure don't have to march around like a general telling people what they're doing wrong. Number two. Palm Sunday fulfills prophecy. Matthew 21, 4 and 5, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So if you, you go back through scripture, you'll, you'll see this next in Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Why is that important? It's important because that scripture was written in 500 B.C. So now you got all these hundreds of years later, and here comes Jesus. Now, watch this. It's important to realize, and I brought this out, this is not the only prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. Every prophecy that was given in the Old Testament about the Messiah, Jesus fulfilled while he was on earth, all the way to the point of dying on the cross and being raised from the grave. Everyone, save not one, every prophecy was fulfilled. Someone was telling me between services, they researched this, and the odds of someone being able to, that wasn't the Messiah, being able to fulfill every prophecy, because there's hundreds of them in the Old Testament, it's impossible. Why is that important to us today? Well, first of all, if you're here today and you've got doubts about God, that's a good platform to start on. Second of all, if you're here today and you've got people in your life, which I hope you do, that don't know Jesus, that would love to talk about Jesus, this is a, this is a great platform not to shove it down their throat, but say, look, man, you, you have to recognize what the Old Testament says, and then you have to look at the New Testament and realize he fulfilled every one of those all the way to the point of being crucified on the cross. Now, you have to, because there's a huge push today, right? Uh, yeah, I believe Jesus walked the earth. Yeah, he was a cool dude. He, he was a good prophet. But I just, I can't buy into this whole idea that the only way to God is through Jesus. Well, let's talk about that. And sit down with them and talk with them and say, you know what? Look, look. Now, I would implore you to actually read the Bible before you try to tell somebody else about the Bible. Right? Because there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of questions. And let me just tell you this. It's okay to say, I don't know. Right? A lot of us are scared to talk to people about Jesus because we don't feel like we're 
qualified to talk to people about Jesus. It's okay to have coffee with someone and they just slam you in the face with this amazing, awesome question, which will happen a lot of times. It's okay to look back and go, let me get back to you, right? And a lot of times God will let people ask you that question because you don't even know the answer and he's going to drive you back to the word to find the answer and then you're going to find a whole bunch of other answers because you actually had to go back to the word to look for that answer so you didn't look like an idiot. It's true. It's okay to say I don't know. Palm Sunday shows prophecy fulfilled, and that's very important for us, especially in the day that we're living in. Very important for us to know the word. It's very important for us to understand that Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a cool guy, and he wasn't just a great leader. He is, was, is, and he's the Messiah. And, And so... I just thought to bring that out. And, and this is where Jesus is getting close to fulfilling all the prophecies that were uh, said about him. Good? Read your Bible. Number three. Palm Sunday shows the power of praise that comes from a miracle. Matthew 21, 9, 11, The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred because whenever Jesus shows up, he makes a, he wrecks everybody. It's awesome. And ask, who is this? The crowds answer, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Go back to the point, Larry. Now watch this. So they're coming into the city, but let's back up a little bit. Let's back up in the gospel a little bit. You want to? I'm going to do it anyway, if you want to or not. I'm... So where are they coming from? They're coming from Bethany. What happened in Bethany? Who? You went to Sunday school. That's awesome. Jesus has just asked Lazarus to walk out of the tomb. There's significance here. So let's read the story real quick for those of you who maybe never heard it. John 11, 38 through 44. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Now stop right there. I said this for the benefit of the people who are around me. All right, so there's crowds. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd because he's so attractive, right? So there's a crowd. So that you sent me, verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, and this is one you're going to want to see in heaven. I can't wait. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The whole sermon in that. I just get fired up. Well, we don't have another service after this, so I could just put it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Here's the significance. Come on, learn something today. He's in Bethany. He knows he's got to hit the Passover, and he knows what's coming. He's in Bethany. One of his best friends has died. Martha and Mary, everybody's upset. The whole town is looking around to see what's going to happen here. And Jesus says, hey, come out. Come here, Lazarus. Lazarus walks out of the tomb. They unwrap him, and he's alive. Next on the agenda, Jerusalem. So Jesus and the disciples begin to leave town. 
They begin to leave town, but guess who follows them? All of Bethany. That's why if you go back, go, go back, Larry, go back to the point. We'll just work from there. Yeah, keep, yeah, there you go. The crowds that went ahead of him from Bethany and those that followed from Bethany shouted, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. In other words, the miracle of change in Lazarus' life had produced this amazing want to praise the Lord. Where are you going with this, Jason? Here's where I'm going. I'm going. Ezekiel says, God is the only God who can take the heart of stone and turn it to a heart of flesh. The Bible says that when we confess the Lord as our, our Savior, that we're made into a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. There's a transformation that happens, and I would submit to you that salvation is the greatest miracle ever. Whenever I go to a hospital and somebody says, hey, can you pray that God would heal me? The first thing I ask them is, do you know Jesus? Hey, do you know? Not that I'm not going to pray for him. But for me, the greatest healing is spiritual, way more than physical, right? I mean, that, that's the rubber, rubber meets the road. I mean, that, 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 and so, so they've seen Jesus do this miracle, and then here comes Lazarus out of the tomb. And so they all say, you know what? We're going on a road trip. So, so they leave Bethany, and they're headed down the Mount of Olives. I don't know, some of you maybe have been in that area, and, it's, and, and you, know, you can see but they leave Bethany, and they're going down the Mount of Olives towards Jerusalem. So go, keep going, Larry. And so they get there. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? So he's got this entourage of people hollering, Hosanna, Hosanna, in the highest. They're praising him. They, they believe in him now. They, they're confessing him as the Messiah. Well, they come in, they're coming into the Passover, where many people don't believe the Messiah is even on the, the, the screen yet. And so all these people start asking, who is this? In other words, why are you saying Hosanna? Why are all the people that were kind of gathered around that gate? And they said, hey, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Wow. And there he makes his entrance on a donkey. I I love Jesus. Yeah, and we can learn a lot from him. People can't help. And there's one gospel that, that um, the Pharisees came up and looked at Jesus and said, aren't you going to rebuke them for saying Hosanna? And he looks back at him and says, hey, if they weren't doing it, the rocks would be crying out right now. <laughs> and I've heard that preach before. Well, if you don't praise Jesus, the rocks are going to cry out. He, now, he was talking to the religious people. He was like, look, man, if they don't do it, the rocks are going to start doing it. So do you want the rocks to do it or would you rather them do it? <laughs> Seriously. So this, this whole idea of, of praise coming out of our life, when God changes your life, if you'll open up yourself to let other people see the change in your life, not only do we praise God for the change that he's done in our life, other people will see that it's actually God that did that in our life, and at some point it's going to draw them to Jesus. That's what happened with the miracle with Lazarus, and that's what happens with the miracle of salvation, transformation, discipleship, godly life. People are drawn to that. People are drawn to that. Number four, Palm Sunday exposes the zeal of Jesus. Now, let me say this before we get into this point right here. There's a difference between zeal and pride. Because we got, we, got, we got to get that. If you're taking notes, write that down. We got to, we got to, 
We've got to understand that, especially as the church of America today, the church of the world, people of Coastline Community Church, people on the Space Coast. There is a difference between zeal for the Lord and pride. Zeal is really excited about doing what is right according to the Bible. Pride is really excited by telling people what we believe before we read the Bible. Do you get that? Jesus entered the temple, Matthew 21, 12, and 13, entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. There's so much right here. If you go back to the point, let's just work through it. So Jesus comes down the Mount of Olives and he makes a stop. We'll talk about that just in a second. He enters the city of Jerusalem and he goes straight to the temple. Straight away. He gets there and there's like a bunch of poker games going on. And there's people selling something. Just kidding. They probably didn't know how to play five-card stud. I don't even know how to do that. But people are selling stuff, and people are doing this and doing that. And, and like, he's so overwhelmed with zeal for the Lord that Jesus goes down, and he starts clearing the house. He starts clearing. And I, I love this because it goes back to my point of I've, I've, I've always said this, and you've heard me say it many times. Jesus was not a weak man. Right? You see that picture of Jesus? Mm, he's got curly hair, you know, and he's based like a buck five. No. No. He, he went to the temple, saw some stuff going on. Now, this is where it takes guts. He's about to kick the people out of the temple that are going to originally, uh, eventually crucify him. And he knows that. And he don't care. Jesus was not very good at being politically correct. He got, It's just... He goes and he starts and he drives them all out. He drives them all out. That zeal for what he knew to be right. It's okay to have zeal, excitement about being a Christian. It's okay. Let me just release you right now. It's okay. But having zeal and excitement about being a Christian and a Christ follower is way different than holding a picket sign up outside somewhere telling people how bad they are. Having zeal and excitement is about being happy and joyful and walking by the fruit of the Spirit. And at some point, somebody says, hey, why are you so happy? Oh, let me tell you, it's Jesus. I've got a relationship with the Savior of the world. And if you'd like to go have some coffee sometimes, I'd love to sit down and talk to you about it. But that's up to you. That's zeal. We don't need to be, we, I'm telling you what, I I get so enamored with Christians, Bible-thumping people, you see on Sunday, and if you went into their workplace and asked anybody about them, they would say, that's the devil. <laughs> they're mean. They're shrewd. They stab people in the back to climb the ladder. And then when I ask them about church, they tell me everything I'm doing wrong. But zeal, zeal's like a, a childlike, grown-up, fun, faith-filled excitement about Jesus and about what this Word says and about what's right. Because you can can absolutely share Jesus with people and fall back on the Word and be very zealful, throw it in their plate and say, hey, look, I'm just going to give you something to think about without being prideful. 
You can. And I would submit to you today that a lot of churches that I know of that are empty today would be a lot more full if Christians would take that approach. I'm, I'm excited about the Word of God. I'm excited about what Jesus has done in my life. I'm excited. And if you give me the opportunity, I'll share it with you. But I am not going to stand up and pound you on the head about what you're doing wrong. Because Jesus didn't do that. We've talked about this. The only pe- people Jesus got upset with were religious people because they were doing that to other people. Bethany, Mount of Olives. So we'll backtrack a little bit, go to this last point. Palm Sunday shows the compassion of Jesus. The significance of Palm Sunday shows the compassion of Jesus. It's coming down the Mount of Olives. You can see all of Jerusalem from the track that he's taken down. And Luke 19.41 records this. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. This is the Savior that we have. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you think God's mad at you, can I tell you? He wept over you. He came to that spot where he could see the whole city, 2.5 million people estimated. And, And he stops. And remember, he's got crowds with him. He stops and he looks down over the city and he begins to weep. And one of the gospel records, and I'll paraphrase, I am among you, but you don't recognize me. And oh, how I long to gather all of you together. And he's crying. And he's weeping. He's not crying. He's crying because the burden that he has for humanity is so great. And the love that he has is so great. He stops everything and begins to weep over Jerusalem. Weep over the people of Jerusalem. See, Jesus shows us He's a compassionate God. Compassion. For He looked upon the sheep they were scattered abroad like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. That's when He said, Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers because the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Compassion. Jesus is like the king of compassion, all the way to the point he gave his own life. So watch this. So he stops and cries. Then he heads into the city, goes to the temple, clears the temple, and then look at this last thing. This is what he does. Once the temple's cleared out, the Bible says, 21, 14, Matthew, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. So before he got on his high horse, before he started talking, before he did anything, He ministered to the needs of the people that were there because he had the power to do so. Here's how I break this down. The Bible talks a lot about spiritual blindness. In, In several places, it talks about having scales over our eyes. Before we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the Bible says, you know what? You don't even know you need Jesus. We live in a world full of people that have no idea they need Jesus. I mean, that's why we're here. That's why the lights are on, the air is going. Spiritually blind. How will they know unless someone tells them? Spiritually blind. Jesus is modeling right here for us. I'm going to heal the blind. So maybe you're here today and you're still spiritually blind. You've never really let God pull the scales off your eyes. Maybe you're like 
all the people in the first and second service that said, you know what, I want those scales removed, and they gave their hearts to the Lord today. Or maybe you're here today and you're spiritually lame. You've been hurt. Divorce. Rejection. Parents. You know the Lord, but you've been really hurt, and now you're really you're you're disconnecting yourself and you're limping along in life. Maybe even a church hurt you. And I tell you, today, this Palm Sunday, 2015, would be an awesome today to let that go and just move on with God. Just let it go and move on. Let's pray. If you're here today, you say, Jason, I'm, I am. I, I'm spiritually blind. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I still have those spiritual scales on my eyes. If that's you, and you're, you're here right now, and nobody's moving around unless they have to, and all heads are bowed, if that's you, and you're ready to confess Christ today as your Savior and start on a new journey, would you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it and put it right back down? I see your hand, thanks. Anyone else? I see your hand. That's awesome. Slip it up long enough for me to see it. I want to pray with you. By virtue of the fact that you're doing that, you and God are already doing business right now. God's got amazing things in store for you. Anyone else before we pray? I want to pray for you when I'm done and we dismiss. Please go by the tent, get a Bible and a devotion. Talk with someone. If you're not comfortable talking, just nab a Bible and a devotion. It's going to help you. It's going to help you on your journey this week. Let's pray. Father, Father, thank you for chasing me here today. And right now, God, I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. And I believe that he was placed in the grave and he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe with everything that's in me that you are changing my heart right now. God, I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to continue on this journey. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try not to quit. God, would you put people around me to help me in this journey? As I go out to the tent today, give me boldness to do that. Grab a Bible and a devotion, God. And and Lord, help me throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you raised your hand and you're not comfortable going to the tent, you can email us and we'll get back with you. Love you. Have a great week.